This econ is racist. I've never ever been a spy. Can the VBS bank loot? The problem is that pinky. I'll never subject myself to whiteness. I'm listening. Can you have consistency, Honorable Chair? Corruption was an Olympic sport. They will always win gold. This is not a shape. Can you please come in? Good day and welcome to this week's episode of Sunday Times Politics Weekly. Thank you so much for joining us this week, guys. We've got a full studio this week. Um, I'm joined by my colleagues Zingisa Mvumvu on, on my left-hand side, followed by Kwanita Hunter, Apiwe De Klerk, and Zimasa Matewane. Um, we're starting this week with our election coverage, running up to elections, so we're going to be deep diving into policy issues, and so we have that to look forward to. But before we get there... Let's start with Kwanita. You've been following Sil Ramaphosa around the country for the past couple of months or a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm exhausted, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so the last uh, campaign event, the big campaign event was this weekend in Rustenburg. Sil Ramaphosa went literally into the lion's den. The Northwest has not been his territory or, you know, softened to him in any way. They were vehemently against him in the run-up to Nazareth, and then there's been all of these crises at the, you know, that's been plaguing the provincial leadership there. But he went anyways. Now, there's a tentative task team that was put in place there, led by Obed Bapela and Mloko Kobayin Gobane. So it's two NEC members that were literally leading the province for this rally, this manifesto launch. And what I found fascinating was, you could see the push and pull between the two factions. But there was some sort of last minute, we need to rally together and show our support for the president. And at the last minute, then, um, you know, there was a hold up with buses. So the stadium was absolutely empty the entire morning. And I think there was seemed to be like some talks and then eventually people started filling up. So the president has been doing this quite often. There's themes that he, he, he sticks to. And the, and the chronology of that of those themes is something he, do- he doesn't waver from and he sticks to it so it's almost like a repetition so if you go to him I mean I was with him in Flores, you go to him when he's speaking uh, to the Black Business Council here he's speaking to supporters um, in Rustenburg it was sort of the same theme of you know he talks about jobs he talks about the economy he talks about unity of the ANC so his script is very much um, you know certain but I think what, what they're trying to do now is they try to add bits of an announcement here and there. So when he was in Fosloris, he spoke about the announcement of building a big house, a big housing project. And then this weekend, he then announced that he's going to do a Rwanda-like cleanup campaign. So I think they've realized that they need to throw these kind of sound bites or these little bones out there uh, to, to make his, his addresses a bit more newsworthy or, um, you know, or to make fresh promises to people. What do you guys think about the Rwanda issue? Sounds a lot like um, something that Tito would say, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, what is this fascination with Rwanda? Let's start there. Yeah. First of all, even uh, talking about Rwanda itself, I mean, my understanding is that even the story of Rwanda is not told in full uh, in the in the global scale. I mean, in in other countries, because if you get to talk to other people from Rwanda, the story of Rwanda is sort of a propaganda, so to speak. It's not incorrect, but it's an incomplete story in that even the development that they talk about. There's a guy I once spoke to from the outskirts of Rwanda. He says the situation in the outskirts is far worse than what is happening. So this development is mostly centralized in Kigali. And there's also the issue of the Hutsus 
uh, and Tutsis there. And apparently the, the tribe that is centralized in the urban areas is the tribe of the president, uh, Kagame. So that is why development is happening mostly there. But that's neither here nor there. Coming back to our Tumamina and cleanup, I don't think it would work in South Africa. First of all, we are not a dictatorship. Uh, Rwanda is a dictatorship, <laughs> although others call it uh, a progressive, progressive dictatorship. dictatorship. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, it's a dictatorship. Secondly, I, I believe that such things, too, they have uh, to do with an attitude, attitude that is motivated by a lot of things, socioeconomic issues, for instance. If you have people who are unemployed, they will be less bothered by those things of uh, cleaning up. But if the mood is good in a country where people are working, there's less poverty and everything like that, such things it can be easy for people to buy into them. But in a country like ours where there's huge unemployment, people are just depressed and frustrated about a lot of things, it will be very difficult to convince them to do things like cleaning up. That's my view on the matter. I think cleaning up and issues of, of the environment have never been a priority for, for us South Africans. What's important to us is, is uh, how much the bread costs, whether we have a house, uh, whether uh, I'm getting my child support grant, whether I'm going to, to university for free or not. So it's, it's, it's going to take a very long time to get to that stage where we care that much. But I'm bothered by this whole love affair with Rwanda so suddenly. Mm. Um, in, the ne- in, the, in the past elections, uh, there was a lady who was contesting Paul Kagame. Her nude pictures were circulated <coughs> online and that was used as a means to disqualify her from running for election. And I think she was arrest- arrested for quite some time. So... Um, I you mean, think, you think no. that's bad? Because, I mean, you, you raise a very, very important point. Just on the fact that Rwanda, or Paul Kagame, um, attacks his dissidents in our country. We have a strict visa regime in place. His political um, rivals are housed in South Africa. We, Our ministers meet with the, 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 the opposition who are based in South Africa. Uh, in 2013, he, he, there was, you know, the Rwandan regime killed uh, mm. the dissident mm. of, of, of Paul Kagame. To get visas, to get visas to come into South Africa as a Rwandan is so difficult. So I don't understand this this cleanup of Kigali, which is, I mean, it's brilliant. It's working. The streets are cleaning Kigali. The, the only problem I have with politicians leading a cleanup campaign when they are in office is that, look, that's why we elected you. We pay rates. Uh, why must I pay rates and then go and kill other streets when I elected you to, to, to lead me and have a functioning government? That, that's the problem I have with politicians. I mean, they can go and do that in their spare time as politicians. They must not involve us. Yeah. <laughs> we pay them for this. And is enough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also not coming. I think we, we're all going to start with our... Um, Elections campaign, our own elections campaign in the podcast session this, this <laughs> week. Starting off with that, talk, diving into issues of um, policy throughout the big three parties and some other parties if they say anything interesting or have said anything interesting in the time. But yeah, just looking at the issue of the day though, we started, we, we, we thought that we would start off with gender-based violence. I think we've all seen um, the disturbing video that's emerged on Twitter of Babes Wadumo, um, who was allegedly and looks to be assol- uh, being assaulted by her partner, Mampincha. And it's raised a lot of questions around um, um, the, the stance of gender-based violence in our society. And especially when it happens to a celebrity, it sort of brings them 
the question back into the debate. And looking at various policies, success, some successful, some not successful, some non-existent um, between the ANC, the DA and the EFF in their in the way they've, they've treated this incident in particular and also what their party's stance are on the matter. Um, let's look at the ANC, for instance. Well, let's just start with some facts, guys. I mean, just to reiterate what's happening in the country as we see it. The murder rate of women increased by 117% between 2015 and 2016. Sexual offences against women increased by 53% in the same time. Every day, three women die at the hands of their intimate partner in South Africa. These are massive stats. The country has a problem, not just with the abuse of women and children, but it also has a problem of violence by the looks of it. Where do we start is the question we have to ask ourselves in government. And it's a big talking point going into elections, or it should be a big talking point. Because a lot of our issues in terms of crime in South Africa is related to violence. So where do we start? Let's look at what the ANC says, for instance. Gender-based violence has become a national crisis. We will work more closely with all stakeholders to implement the range of interventions that were adopted at last year's Gender-Based Violence Summit, including finalizing the national plan on gender-based violence and to set up the structure that the women of our country have said we should set up to focus more on gender-based violence. The ANC fully supports the calls for stricter bail conditions and harsher sentences for perpetrators of gender-based violence and sexual assault. More and better skilled police and prosecution authorities are needed to improve the capacity to investigate and prosecute all crimes, especially gender-based violence and sexual assault. This is where we need the Tumamina commitment to end abuse of women and children. These all seem to me like reactive measures, um, not preventative measures. Where should the ANC be going in? What do you guys think of their manifesto stance on GBV? I think, I think, I think, first of all, I mean, I must agree with you. It's very reactionary uh, and superficial uh, in the bigger scheme of things. Uh, I mean, and this I said, I went to a press conference in the Tuli House on these manifesto briefings of the earth. And uh, somehow be, because of even issues that are related to, uh, you know, women, uh, being the center of attention as far as the ANC is concerned, no Zizikoto and Pudemabe stories. And I did raise this point to say the problem with the ANC and its government at this point in time on these issues and the reason we are not making a headway is because we are reactionary mm. instead of being proactive. I mean, for instance, even now as a country generally, it's not an ANC problem, it's a country problem. Uh, we, 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 we pretend as though these issues are not day-to-day -day realities. I mean, now there's this whole hoo-ha this week because of Pepso Dumo and Mambicha who are celebrities. Mm. Uh, last week and two weeks ago, it was Zizugodo, who's a politician, high-profile person. It was Pulemabe earlier on because of who he is, the, 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 the profile that they occupy in society. But there are people who are unknown who are experiencing these things every day, and no one says anything about it, yeah. even on social media. This is social media activism. It's not helping because those are the only times we get to speak about these issues, and even then, we are, I mean, calling for, for 
bail, strict bail conditions and harsher sentences. It's not going to fix the problem. You've got to get to the root cause. What are the root cause of these problems? What are the uh, attitudes and cultural beliefs in the communities that we come from? Me and Tikek earlier on, we were talking about how in the townships where we grow up, we are taught on how to resolve issues through violence, for instance. You see, uh, when someone wrongs you, you are told, beat them up. Don't come here crying. Beat them up. Sort them out. If your sister, I had a younger sister, she was very disrespectful towards me. And my parents used to tell me that beat this person up, they will respect you. So those kind of cultures. So it starts at home. But we are not having those kind of conversations. We pretend as if these people just fall from the sky being violent. But these are things that we are encouraged from a young age to do. These are things that we grow up with in the society that we live in. But we barely get into the root causes of these issues to address them. So I feel the ANC is very superficial. That's the short and the long and short of it. Yeah, um, fortunately, we agree on this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, um, you, you are correct about this. I, I, I was saying uh, if from as young as three or two years, when a child does not listen to a parent, the, the first thing they do is, is to hit them, spank them, whatever you call it. I think a political party, they should be showing interest and appetite to solve this at the legislature level. Uh, as they are campaigning, uh, you want that message to come true that no, violence is not the answer. And I'm, I'm not getting enough of that. Uh, it's only when it's those high-profile cases, yeah. only. You don't get uh, uh, these uh, speeches unprovoked. Um, you don't go to a branch um, door-to-door or you know those small gatherings before a, a, a big rally you don't get uh, that message being uh, sent out to say we have a big problem stop this thing of beating up each other up it's it's not healthy uh, uh so, so 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 we are we are not teaching uh, our youth that solving problems is not true violence i am not convinced by what our government has done to curb gender-based violence but at the same time, I think it should start at home. Yes. The way that violence is normalized in our families, in our societies, that's where we should be looking. The way that uh, strength of a man is celebrated when it's oppressive to a woman, the way yeah. that toxic masculinity uh, is how our men get to show that they are men. And that's how we are raised. And that is how we are raised. So there are societal issues, there are cultural issues, and I don't think we should be looking to government only because government, yeah. that there is so much that they can do. Can they do. don't live with me at home. They yeah. don't know how, <laughs> how I behave and what I do. And there's a broader issue of just patriarchy. Patriarchy breeds violence. Patriarchy breeds a culture of repressing violence uh, or, 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 sub, or, or repressing victims of violence. Patriarchy is at the center of this, of this entire situation. If you come back to the Babe Sudumo situation, there are people around him and her who have known that this has been going on for a very long time. And when you speak about patriarchy, especially in the political uh, space, um, you know, you you sort of branded as this bra burning feminist, yeah. Um, and and my and my resistance to the to the whole Pule Mabe Zizi Kodwa situation is that I don't know what happened at those situations, 
But I do know that there is a culture of patriarchy. There is that culture, that stock culture of you getting girls and, you know, politicians sort of get people to cultivate girls for them to enjoy. That's at the heart of patriarchy. That's if you don't get to the bottom of it, you're not going to stem abuse. Abuse is abuse is is, is a, a byproduct. Yeah. Mm, mm. Mm. Okay, I'm going to dive into the DA and the EFF manifestos in regard to GBV, and we see a lot of similar um, approaches to combating GBV and a few differences as well. Um, so the DA is also looking at a lot of talk shops by the look of it, and and basing a lot of their solutions on education um, at a young age. Some of it I can agree with. Um, the DA is establishing the National Council of Gender-Based Violence, which representations from government, the private sector, and civil society is also what you were saying about an all-inclusive approach um, to combating GBV. Um, scrapping the ineffective and toothless ministry for women. They took a bit of a shot there at the ANC <laughs> and Batsbira Dlamini. Um, let's move on to a little bit of... Their crime and, and prevention. So they're looking at implementing the urban crime prevention strategy that involves the training and development of police and community patrols who prevent violent crime and the rape of women in public areas. I don't know how much of rape and um, abuse of women happens in public spaces, but um, <laughs> we'll have to get some figures on that. Um, but also fully resourcing the training and of the National Prosecuting Authority of Sexual Offences and mm -hmm. Community Affairs Units, which I think is quite important. And also going into the education side of things, um, rolling out campaigns similar to the One Man Can campaign, whereby the traveling workshops can engage with men from different industries and socioeconomic backgrounds. Okay, now the EFF takes it a bit of a step further, where they're looking at their policies, are looking to empower women um, in various sectors of society as, as one of the measures of alleviating gender-based violence. And furthering on from that, they want to strengthen the education of men on patriarchy, um, sexism, and misogyny. That's looking back at communities where patriarchy exists. And the EFF government, they say, will initiate a comprehensive research project aimed at the recognition of work performed by women in the household as a formal labor, which contributes to the national economy, GDP, and the formal tax system. So it seems to me what the EFF are doing very differently from everyone else is that they're talking about empowering women from the get-go so that they can alleviate themselves from these situations of patriarchy in our communities. They've gotten what the DA and the ANC are saying. They've taken a lot of that, but they've also taken it a step further. So what do you guys make of the DA and the EFF policies on GBB? In terms of empowering women, um, economically, for example, that now you have a job, now you don't have to stay in this uh, abusive relationship because you depend on this man for money. It's all good and well. It, it can work, but I'm telling you, it's not going to liberate us. It's not going to change anything because at the end of the day, men and women need to coexist in the same space. We're not going to be able to exclude, uh, to, 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 to remove men from society. I instead, um, I'm, I'm more open to a discussion that brings men to the table and educate them about the dangers of patriarchy, about the dangers of misogyny. But I'm sorry to cut you, but the EFF goes on to further. For instance, Mina, I completely agree. I think the EFF have got the best policy in this regard. You are right with your first point. They go on to say that they say that they will introduce compulsory gender education and training for all at schools, at work, within the family, church, legislative, executive, as well as in civil society. That includes everyone now. That is 
uh, over and above the empowerment of women economically to be independent and not uh, depend and fear and be under the yoke of men and then you move into this step i think that for me it, it's something that would move us to the correct direction because it goes to the core and the root cause of these problems that we pointed out earlier on because it's exhausting for the victims of gender-based violence to be the ones that are looked to to make a difference Absolutely. about gender based we are not beating ourselves up yes as so, men, so basically the EFF part. is saying that uh, we should do what feminists are doing every day on social networks and just take it to churches now and uh, yeah well but you see uh, now it's coordinated if you have it at school for instance me i don't understand why if this is such a crisis we can introduce it into the school curricula what, what we is do have in in, in LO. LO. guys I've, I've always had a question what is it with because because we can all sit here and agree that this is the problem this is how to tackle it but what is why are men so resistant I Which need to hear from you. Resistant. I need to hear from you. I need to hear from you, from the three of you guys. Yeah. Because feminism says exactly what the EFF is saying. No, but you agree with the EFF. Also, also feminism. Mm -mm, don't media, say also. Can, don't say no, also. No, I'm saying. If you're you interested in feminism, what book of feminism have you read? I'm not talking about no, people I, I you don't, don't know. No, I don't have to read. I leave this you situation. Need to every, you need no, to read. No, you don't live I, it. I, you I, are I, not I, a woman. You don't live it. No, I don't have to be conducted. I live with women. I see these issues. I was saying a personal experience earlier that I was told that if my sister disrespect me, I must beat them up. And I rejected that because I can see that that this is not right and i live to promote that other men must not do that as well i disown friends who beat their women i disown friends who perpetuate gender-based violence no. i don't have to read about that in the book i live it every day i see it happening with my friends with my family and i combat it right there that for me is the well in fact i'm not a feminist i'm you a womanist yeah you can't be a feminist yeah i'm a womanist yeah, but there are men who say that. We don't know what that is. We don't know what that is. We don't recognize that here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no but, but guys, you know what? We, 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 can, we can joke about these things, right? But l let me tell you a very real experience. These conversations, or these, or this now, finally, where you have people outraged, if you take the Pule Mabe, Zizi Kodwa situation, over the weekend, there was a senior ANC leader that uh, who is notorious for improperly, improperly touching a woman, right? Who then takes a woman journalist's hand and holds the hand instead of hugging as he would improperly hug this woman usually and say, I don't want to be accused of sexual violence, Even. right? And makes it this big joke and everyone's laughing about it, right? But for me, that stood out because this man did not know that his behavior was was you know you you are harassing if you if you're touching a, st a strange woman and her ass because you because you can you understand mm. it took a colleague of yours falling from from grace to you to realize oh i must be wary about this behavior mm. but it was still normal behavior in your mind and, exactly and and you know what that is not being wary that is a that is making fun. That's making fun. Exactly. It's making fun of the whole thing because you know what they say? They say, ah, we don't know even know how to share you now because of this Me Too thing. Yeah. Well, but you see, hence I'm saying, as men, we ought to uh, talk about these things in our spaces. If Declare is my friend and he behaves inappropriate, but the problem, let me admit, guys, it's not as, about as, the behavior, men, it's what you think about women. Yeah, no, but uh, I'm saying to you, the, the behavioral problem among us men is that we promote 
uh, these things uh, among each other in our small corners, like, ah, no, yeah, get that woman, man, hook me up, and all those kind of things. And we don't say, when you do that, it's like, yeah, you are the real man, yeah. yeah you yeah. tapped into that thing, you know what I'm saying? But it, as I'm saying, guys, we take full responsibility, and I'm saying, in our spaces, in our own circles as men, we must call each other into order and say, this is inappropriate, don't do it. Can, can we agree that uh, this matter is a man problem? It's created by men. It's perpetuated by, by men, men. It's sustained by men. Men must solve it. We enter nowhere. We yeah, are no, absolutely. I, I, I agree. I don't know about the cake. These men are very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm the only man. <laughs> look, look. Um, as far as okay, because we are speaking about this from a perspective of a polit- political parties uh, who are proposing what they would do should they be in government. Obviously, the ones currently in government have failed to solve the issue. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so, so if you are going to go and say, okay, uh, if these ones, uh, the, the red ones, are saying, uh, look, educating people about something is the best way uh, for them to be aware and to change their ways. Uh, some, sometimes um, certain things like uh, you know what, what you call uh, what is it called in in Isizulu where they say in in nongena basket you and gena market it's harassment <laughs> yeah. it's harassment yeah. a squandering as appreciation yeah. exactly yeah. so, so at, at, at some point you didn't know about that until such time you you got to that age that actually this thing is wrong not because uh, of what you had done but because after uh, women started talking and saying, but this thing is a form of, uh, of Again, harassment. Again, we must deal with your problem. No, no, no. We must teach you what's wrong behavior. Uh, what, 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 what I'm saying is when you are born to a society where such had been normal, until mm. uh, such time you are educated to say, but no, this is not actually normal. It's wrong. We feel that uh, you are violating us this way and this way and this way. And if if then a government is serious about this, when they are formulating policy, they will ask women to put the influence on how that policy is going to be. How is that going to be rolled out to these different spheres of life in church, at school, and... and, and. Is this, is this a fight we can win, Amir? Now for me, I think if you're looking at the policies in government, looking at this issue of GBV, and these issues of, of women and, 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 and youth in our country. I think what the government has failed to do in in since ninety four, even before that, and in various governments across the world, not just ours, is that they've failed to discover and and, and, and attack the problem at the root at, at at its root causes. I mean you can talk about something as much as you'd like to. You can um, you can condemn it as much as you'd like to when there's separate incidents, but that's not doing anything to solve the problem. Speaking about it is not going to solve the problem either um, for me. Um, looking at a lot of these manifestos, and I looked at the, a- the ANC, the DA, and the EFF, um, what is not, prov- when you look at, all, all, it's all after the fact, so they're looking at what can we do to better police stations, what can we do to um, better the laws, and, and yes, we, we have to do those things. Those things must exist. We must better the um, the reporting structures. We must better the laws. We must um, lengthen sentences. All these things must happen, but that's not solving the issue. Criminal uh, people who abuse women and people who have these this mindset will continue to be that way no matter the repercussions because yeah. that's innate in their behavior. Yeah. So we need to go back 
And I agree sort of with the education stance um, where you got to start at the beginning, but you also at the time must also, for me, you'd have to accept that this whole generation has been lost to this already. Um, not ours, maybe a bit later than that. Because for me, you can't change something when it's been innate in you your entire life. No matter how much you educate someone or tell them this is wrong, this is their behavior. You're not going to be able to change that now. And that's the unfortunate truth. So for me, you've got to start from scratch. Put a whole system in place to bring the whole new, to, to eradicate this through the generations, because that's the only way you can really do it. It can't be a quick fix. Yeah. It has to be something that's been done over generations and over generations. Yeah. And there must be a plan to roll it out that way, where we have one complete message that rolls out for generations to come on how we can change society as a whole over a number of generations. That's it for me. So I have a, a thought, but it's, it's incoherent, so you guys can yeah. jump in, right? So, the, you know, there was obviously this mindset to HIV and AIDS, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, and it took a lot of public awareness. Yeah. Can you equate the two in terms of teaching people? I don't know. Like, no, I don't. I don't think it would work because with HIV, you could see someone getting sick. Quanita, you could see someone going from a hundred kgs to two kgs, and it was scary, and no one wanted to die. The problem with patriarchy is that it has beneficiaries. Ne? Oh, yeah. It has oh, an okay. end. The same way that we ended apartheid. Maybe that could work, but yeah. I don't know how. Yeah. The, the, the thing is, the reason why there is resistance, it has beneficiaries. Men are benefiting from all this. And it at happens the same at time. different levels. It even, <laughs> the abuse is the most extreme level. Yeah, yeah. Just in a workplace scenario, I mean, and, and you, you don't want to be a bra-burning feminist, which is, you know, sort of portray that you are, it's a bad thing to be. But the reality is that patriarch, the nuances of patriarchy are visible at every minute of, of every, every day, day yeah. as a journalist, as a female journalist, what we have to experience, what you have to experience, are worlds apart. Yeah. And yeah. that's not like about your own doing, it's society. <laughs> and if you understand your privilege walking into a room that says, I walk in with this privilege, I am have more privilege over this woman because of the fact that I'm a male, just helps understand or breaks out the element of this ingrained patriarchy to be perpetuated okay guys and just just to move us along a little bit as well because we're always crap for time what do we need to do as a society and what should governments or governments in waiting uh do to alleviate some of these problems in our society as as a society call it out whenever it raises its ugly head patriarchy whether it's on social media whether it's it's in a it's in an elevator with the stranger whether it's here in this room right now whenever i see any signs of it I'm Do calling you see it, it out here now I see it I see it in your eyes all of you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not but, 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 but here is a trick do it in such a way that you are getting allies and you are not creating pushing enemies, people away yes. creating enemies that's that's my rule that's how I do it okay so some really strong views coming out from inside the, the, um, the studio today and all of them very much appreciated I think and I think a lot of Political parties can learn from what Zimasa and Kwanita said in this in the studio today. But guys, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thanks for the whole team for joining me in the in the studio this week. It was a really good start to our elections coverage. Uh, as I said, keep in keep in touch with us. We're going to be looking at different policies leading up to May eighth. And thanks again for joining us.